at night. Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martinis Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about cocktailing in the French capital and bring you other small batch spirits news from France and beyond. After our last few months of episodes where we were focusing on wine, and if you haven't listened to them, you should definitely go back and listen to them. We are now cracking back into cocktails. And um, considering that my blog started as a guide to Paris cocktail bars, obviously I'm sure you are aware that I really like checking out bars, but I am also an avid home entertainer and I'm becoming more and more interested in drinking at home, having people around, um, home bartending. And I think that's kind of a trend I am personally feel like I'm seeing more. So, um, so today what we've done is invited somebody into the studio to come and talk to us a little bit more about home drinking habits, how the French drink at home and different possibilities for, um, ways to be, to be maintaining a home bar and serving cocktails to your friends because it's so nice to do that at home. So today I have Philippe Alexandre Bernatier. I did get that right, right? You did. From Open. Um, he is the senior marketing project manager there. He was born and raised in Quebec. He is Parisian by choice. He studied marketing and political science before embracing a career in wine and spirits. He's passionate about classic cocktails, historic terroirs, and innovative gastronomy alike. He always tries to serve the cause of conviviality um, by investigating new trends and by creating meaningful experiences. And that's exactly the kind of thing that, that we like around here. He is also currently studying to complete his WSET diploma, and he's teaching a class about the culture of wine to master's students at his alma mater, Sciences Po Paris. So welcome, Philippe Alexandre. Thank you very much for taking the time to come down and talk to me today. Thank you, Forrest, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, so let's just dive right in. Uh, I think you know that one of the things I really want to talk about today is the uh, home drinking habits for the French. I feel like since I've been here, and I've been here, oh, good 16, 17 years, I don't feel like my French friends invite me around for drinks very often. I feel like when we're getting together, it's out and about in cafes and that kind of thing. What do you think? What's your experience? It's an experience that I actually shared when I moved to Paris, not uh, uh, not as long ago as you did, but since uh, 12 years I've been living in this country. And I, I, I think it's a cultural thing. Um, I think the French might take longer to... to be very friendly with you and then invite you uh, in their homes. But once they do, they will tend to, to do it very, uh, very often and on a regular basis. Uh, I think North Americans are quicker to uh, bring you into their lives, uh, but sometimes the relationships that they build are not as meaningful, where the French might take a little bit longer, but once they do, uh, they will become true friends and are very likely to invite you uh, in, in their homes and, and houses. Yeah, I think that... I think that um, explains very nicely the, the, what I've experienced and, and also something I kind of hear across the board that in general, it takes a little, French are a little bit slower to warm up to you, but when they do, it's, it's well worth the wait. And I do think that's been my experience. Um, but I do also wonder if this is sort of a different thing that's Parisian versus outside of Paris. I, my guess would be, I don't spend a lot of time outside of Paris, but my guess would be in other smaller towns outside of the capital, people probably are doing more home entertaining. Uh, you know, the, depending on the size of the town, really, the options might be limited for where to meet out and about. So um, do you have any experience or any, any thoughts on that? If outside of Paris, it might be a different story? 
I do actually. Uh, interestingly enough, the French drink much more in terms of volume at home than they do outside of home. Seventy percent of wow. all the alcohols drunk in France are actually does, drunk at home. Does that include wine as well, or is that just? And spirits? this is true for every single category: wine, beer, spirits, and cider. Each one of those categories is actually more consumed at home than out in France. Um, now, to go back to your original question, uh, I have lived five and a half years in Champagne, so in what the French call Provence, provincial France, outside of Paris. I don't have specific figures on the differences between Paris and, um, and uh, outside of Paris, but obviously people in Paris have much smaller apartments. The offer of bars and cafes is quite large. I think it's maybe more natural for people to go out. Uh, what I can tell you, though, is that over the five years I lived in Champagne in the Reims, which is you know a fair-sized city, about 200,000 people live there, I did notice that a lot of people... Uh, were more likely to host at home uh, than of uh, than going out. So it's it's. I think there is a cultural uh, thing there, and also a difference between uh, Paris and and the other uh, cities in in France. Yeah, I also I would guess, um, you know, we were just talking about how um, it's it takes longer to to get to know French people. I would imagine it also takes even longer once you're outside of Paris. You're in kind of smaller towns, and they're a little bit more insular and and kind of used to their own community. But it takes a little bit longer, but probably also just as worthwhile. Um, I find that super interesting that um, the statistic where French drink more at home, um, this is kind of just a quick little sidetrack, but I, to me there's often statistics that I find interesting about drinking in France. For example, whiskey is the most consumed spirit here, but I never see any French people drinking whiskey. I don't know where everybody's drinking this whiskey. I'm wondering if it's like nightclubs. It's got, you know, all the Chivas Regal or something on the walls. I don't know. But um, but this again, too, like I don't really see French people drinking at home a lot. Um, granted, I'm not all the time in French people's homes, but I don't know. I live with a French person. I'm much more likely to be drinking at home than he is. So just, uh, yeah, I'm not looking for an answer on that. I just find it um, a surprising statistic, uh, but interesting for sure. And uh, I think there's lots of reasons to be drinking at home, so I can see why they do. Um, so let's talk about what the French people are drinking when they're drinking at home. What Do you have any insight into their kind of what the liquids are? Yeah, so they do drink at home, and they actually end up drinking a little bit of everything. Um, the two biggest categories uh, dominating, though, are wine. Uh, about 50% of the volumes drunk in French homes uh, are uh, wine and beer. Um, about 40% of what they drink. And then third category is spirits, uh, just below 8%. So this okay. gives you a, a, a nice uh, outlook at what people drink. A lot of wine, quite a lot of beer, uh, and then spirits. And, uh, and some of those categories uh, are, are growing. Uh, the fact that people are drinking more at home is actually uh, growing. Um, and as you can see, uh, spirits account for not even 8%, so not a lot of cocktails quite yet. Um, but this is also what gave us the idea with Open. We're trying to change that. We'll talk about this a little bit later on, okay. uh, but, uh, but it's interesting. Consumption of spirits at home, though, is slightly on the rise. Uh, and what I can share with you in terms of, of uh, information is that uh, categories like gin, rum, vodka, and whiskey have been moving up over the last three years um, in, in home consumption in France. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think probably all across the board, everywhere, things like gin um, consumption is rising. I don't have the statistics, but just my knowledge, general knowledge of that. Um, and I also find it, um, for me, I think it's interesting and exciting that rum consumption is increasing because I think France has some really interesting connections to rum, especially with rum agricole. And I think that that's really 
I like to see that category. I like I like rum a lot. I think rum agricole deserves more attention. So I like to see that um, as a category that's growing in consumption. So yay, rum drinkers. Um, but I also find it interesting, you know, people who aren't in France. I have American friends and they say, oh, I'm going to go to France and I'm going to, you know, have my Cure Royale. And they have this sort of idea of what French people are drinking and what's, you know, this romanticized idea. And I don't see people drinking some of these traditional um, traditional spirits or aperitifs. I don't see so much, so often consumption of things like cognac. I know that a lot of these things are growing now. We're getting bars that are focusing on French spirits, but cognac or sous or even here in Paris, I don't see a lot of pastis. These things that are sort of typically French, yet I see them all over the um, the grocery store shelves. So the fact that they're there, I'm assuming there's a market and they're because they're so, you know, uh, historically relevant here. Um, are people drinking these kind of traditional French um, aperitifs mainly I'm talking about, but also spirits? Are they not? Is it increasing, decreasing? What's your take on that? Well, I, for one, actually drink them. So uh, that too. makes two of us, mm-hmm. at least. Um, yes, depends really on the category that we're talking about. You were mentioning cognac earlier. Uh, cognac is a story of its own. Only 1% of the production of cognac is actually consumed in France. It is a major uh, export product for the French. Uh, there's a very interesting story about this. Actually, it's inherited from the phylloxera crisis at the end of the 19th century. People started drinking whiskey as a replacement to uh, the cognac that could not be made anymore because cognac, as you know, is made from grapes. This helps to explain why whiskey is such a popular category in France. Uh, People kind of substituted uh, cognac for whiskey uh, during the phylloxera crisis, and cognac never uh, gained back. Uh, pastis is an interesting story as well. Uh, it remains a very highly consumed product here in France, over 110 million bottles a year. So almost yeah. two bottles per French person I per year on average. Statistically, it's one of the top um, th- outside of beer and wine. Is it like the second or third, or maybe it's in the top five consumed uh, uh, spirit? It's it's major, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Uh, and 80% of pastis is actually drunk at home here in France. So that might explain why you don't see that many people drink it outside in the bars uh, on what we call the on-premise or on-trade uh, accounts. Uh, 80% of, of pastis, of those 110 million bottles every year is consumed uh, at home. So uh, interesting. Um, other typically French uh, brands uh, like Lille, for example, have, has been growing uh, quite a bit, uh, although it's much smaller than, than Pastis. Uh, interestingly enough, this is 90% consumption drunk off-premise, so mainly okay. at home uh, as well. Uh, you were mentioning Suze. I think Suze is doing a fantastic job trying to get back uh, on track. Obviously, uh, there was this huge rise in bitter spirits, uh, thanks to the spritz fashion that started a few years ago. Lots of people drinking Aperol, of course, but, but Campari as well. Suze is a French uh, spirit that, that can replace those, uh, those Italian brands in, in a lot of cocktails. Uh, they created a kind of French version of a, of a Negroni using Suze, and this is uh, also very popular. So uh, I think a lot of, of French people are interested in, in rediscovering uh, some, uh, some older, uh, more, um, more genuinely French brands as yeah. well. Um, I do. I love Suze. I like a Susan tonic. It's going going to go on my home summer bar menu. Um, it's great. And the nice thing about a lot of these ones that we're talking about, I find, um, is they're really affordable. They're good. I really like them, but they're affordable. 
A lot of them are a little bit lower in alcohol content. So it's a really nice thing to have around your home bar for multiple reasons, not just the taste, but also so you can drink a few more and not just get you know slammed by the alcohol and, level. And a great example of their popularity is, is the new products that they've been um, launching. So the Classic Suze remains you know, the number one product, but they've launched one that is made from older roots uh, yeah. as well that has a slightly higher level of alcohol. They've launched a range of bitters as well. So people are seeing a lot of excitement around that category and, and, and those specific brands. Yeah, I do. And I do think um, it is nice to see them out there, not just launching new products, but doing interesting events. Um, I've been to several different things where they've got different Sue's cocktails. So I fully support reintroducing, I guess, the French public to some things that maybe, you know, that that they've forgotten about, or maybe a younger drinking population just wasn't so aware of in the beginning. So I think that, I think that's really interesting. Um, I also, over the past many years, Here in Paris, you know, I've noticed there's more um, cocktail books coming out written by French people, um, more cocktail classes. There's still not a ton in Paris, but there's a good handful of cocktail classes out there um, and, you know, different products, things that make me think that home bartending, uh, there's a growing interest in home bartending here in Paris, at least. Would you agree? Um, what are your thoughts? Completely. I think this is a, a very strong trend that we've been seeing for the, for the last few years now. For me, honestly, my analysis is uh, that I see two obvious causes to that. The first one would be the development of very high-quality cocktail bars, which we did not have in Paris 15 right. years ago. There's There's been a boom of high-quality cocktail bars. And I would add to that uh, the renewal of the whole cooking trend. Um, you have to remember that the high-quality cocktails in Paris are rather new, uh, I tip my hat off to the Experimental Cocktail Club and, and the empire that they built in Paris, but also in, in other countries. Um, like many trends coming from Anglo-Saxon countries, I think the French took a little bit uh, of time to assimilate them. But then they're making them their own after, you know, 10 or 12 years of, of creating all those uh, fantastic cocktail bars that we now have in, uh, in Paris. And I think we've started seeing Paris come into that second phase, maybe a more personal, a more French one as far as cocktails are concerned. Uh, with the arrival of, of spots like Le Syndicat or La Française that really specialize in using a lot of French uh, spirits. So I think the, the, the country is actually rediscovering, as you were mentioning earlier, the, the high-quality spirits that they, uh, that they have. Um, you were mentioning books as well. I think the fact that we're starting to see books published originally in French uh, by French authors – Um, Julien Lescaut from Papa Doble in Montpellier yeah, was one great. of the first ones. Uh, Margot Le Carpentier, we did a fantastic interview with her uh, a couple of weeks ago of Combat uh, launched just a magnificent book about spirits and, and cocktails. This really helps to show that there's a lot of interest in, uh, in the subject. And then the, the second cause that I mentioned is the renewed interest in cooking. I think we've seen a lot of TV shows like Top Chef and Master Chef uh, that people feel are easily transferable to their homes. They see it on TV and they want to reproduce what they see or the different recipes that they, uh, that they might see. With cocktails, uh, it seems uh, like it's uh, also something that they can reproduce. Uh, the trend is not as large scale as cooking, but clearly I believe that uh, the more people see high-quality cocktail bars, the more uh, people see Uh, cocktail books or cocktail classes, the more they'll be willing to try it at home and reproduce it at home when they have friends coming over, when they're hosting family or, or their colleagues to, to say, let's do something a little bit different. I cooked something for you because I saw it on TV. Now I'm going to make a cocktail for you because I tasted it in the bar or I read about it in a book. So yeah. definitely I think this, this trend is, is here to stay in, in France. I agree with that. And I'm kind of curious about when we're going to start seeing, you know, there's so many cooking shows. I'm really waiting for one of these 
top cocktail bartender shows, you know, kind mm-hmm. of the same kind of uh, reality cooking TV or, you know, cooking competitions, but take that and transfer it to drinks. I, I would be very curious to, and, to and see just, that happen. Just like with cooking, I think what people are missing might be just that little extra help or that extra confident boost that Confidence, they need to get, sure. to get started. And this is also something that we've worked on the project. We'll talk about it later, but okay. uh, clearly something that... Uh, we wanted to, to, to bring to people that extra boost of confidence or that little sidekick uh, that they need to get started making cocktails at home. Well, and I think that the fact that confidence is a really interesting point because here's what I like about cocktails. I like home entertaining. I like bringing people around. And sometimes you want to have some people over for something special, but you don't want to cook like a whole three-course meal. When I'm having people for a meal, you're in it to win it, man. You're there all night long. I'm serving you a mousse-bouche all the way through to dessert and cheese and di- digestives. But that's a lot of work for me and also a big time commitment for my guests. So the nice thing about being able to do cocktails at home is you can invite people around for like this convivial moment, but you're not necessarily like obligated to make a whole meal. I do encourage that you make some munchies listeners with your with your drinks so people aren't just drinking alcohol, but you know, just little snacks. So that's another reason I I like cocktailing at home. Um, just one more question about your thoughts on home drinking. I have read that millennials are staying in more than they are going out in general. Do you think is, have you noticed, is this a trend with sort of a younger generation of drinkers? Are they more likely to stay in versus go out for various reasons? I mean, you, I'm sure we can imagine all the reasons. It's it's easy. It's fun. It's comfortable. Everybody likes that cocooning, financial reasons, et cetera. Uh, yes, for me, it's it's a definite fact. I, I, I don't want to turn uh, this episode into a sociology class here, mm-hmm. but uh, bars and going out in general have been ways of for people to socialize for a very, very long time. Today, with new technology, with social networks, there are many new and different ways of socializing. Uh, a lot of people won't necessarily feel... Uh, like they are completely missing out by not going out with their colleagues or friends. Uh, they'd rather stay uh, stay home. Um, and as I mentioned before, a large majority of the drinking happens at home in France. Uh, and I feel like your home can be a great space for conviviality too, certainly a more personal one where you for control sure, yeah. everything. So I think this um, might be one of the reasons why the, min- the millennials are actually staying at home a little bit more. Yeah. And I don't think that that's a bad idea. I love staying at home. I'm lazy. I mean, I like the bars, but I really like to stay at home. Okay. Let's talk about open a bit. Now I'm going to be totally honest. I've read a few press releases. I've read the catch like taglines. I would like to fully understand what it is. Can you explain it to, to me and the listeners as well? Obviously. Absolutely, with pleasure. So the whole idea behind our project that's called Open was to democratize or to facilitate cocktail making at home. Um, We dragged inspiration from the fact of what we were mentioning earlier, what a lot of studies call hometainment, so entertaining at home, is is actually a a pretty deep social trend. Uh, We've actually noticed it in other fields as well. If you go back 10 years ago when you wanted to see a movie, you had to get out of your house and go to the cinema and and watch Mm -hmm. the movie. Now with Netflix, you can just stay at home and watch movies. When you wanted to order food 10 years ago, basically it was pizza or if you were lucky, sushi. Uh, Nowadays with Uber Eats and and other solutions, you can stay at home and order fantastic food. Yet if you want to drink a good cocktail, or at least this is the way a lot of people feel uh, in Paris, it means going out because you feel like you cannot make them at home. So this is what we wanted to break, to give people the confidence or the knowledge uh, of making cocktails at home and make it easy to kind of lift those barriers that were there for uh, stopping people making cocktails uh, at home. To break the idea that making cocktails is actually complicated or hard 
or that it requires a ton of expensive or complicated ingredients, or that you need superpowers or it's super hard to learn uh, the skills to make great cocktails. So uh, we wanted to, to break that, and uh, we wanted to create a community of like-minded people um, open to, to all. This is where the name of the project mm-hmm. comes from, uh, no matter their level of skill or knowledge. So um, we created this ecosystem with three main uh, components uh, in it, which uh, I'm happy to describe to you. Yeah, if, I, if, I, if you like. don't mind, yes, please. Sure. So it works with three main elements. Uh, first, we have a website. Uh, then we have an app, uh, both of which are already available. So uh, I urge the listeners to go and, um, and check them out. And uh, a connected device that will be launched this fall. Uh, so all three work and interact together, obviously. The website, which you can uh, go and check out online, that's www.opn.io, um, is packed with articles and tricks. And the keywords here are really education and inspiration. Uh, we have new articles uh, coming out on a weekly basis about spirits, about food pairings, about techniques for uh, cocktailing, uh, hosting trends. Uh, this is published on a very regular basis. Uh, we also have our social media profiles uh, on Instagram and on Facebook where we release that. So that's the first component of the ecosystem. It's more of a media that is about cocktailing and uh, hosting at home. Then we have the application, which is also already available, both for iOS, so iPhones and and Android. Um, And this was created to allow people to discover the world of mixology basically through uh, more than 300 uh, cocktail recipes and to be guided as they do so. This was uh, really one of the key elements here. Uh, We have very easy step-by-step pictures for making every single cocktails. Uh, We have also created filters that are based on tastes, on preferred spirits, on the amount of time that you have available to prepare cocktails. Some of them are faster to prepare than, than quicker to, fast, to, to prepare than others. Uh, the users can also uh, simply enter the ingredients that they have at home and find unsuspe- unsuspected recipes. A lot of people say, oh, I cannot make cocktails at home because I have too few ingredients. Well, you, like me, know that some of the best cocktails we've had are actually pretty simple to make and, and don't require super complex ingredients. So uh, we have a special feature in the app where people can just enter whatever they have in their fridge uh, and be given a list of the different cocktails that they can make with those ingredients and be guided through the different steps uh, to be sure that they're doing the, the correct things in the right order uh, and, uh, and to just see uh, a picture of what it looks like to do uh, all the, the steps. Uh, we're also working on, on a few new features that will be added to the app very soon, uh, like curated cocktail suggestions. Uh, we also have a lot of food pairing collections. We were mentioning earlier how you like to serve little uh, bites to your guests mm-hmm. when they come over. So this is also a key element in, in the project, uh, helping people to make connections with, um, with food as well. Again, very simple food that's easy to prepare uh, and recipes that don't require you to be a professional chef to, to make them. And then the final and last element, which is not out commercially yet, is our connected bar, the connected library that you might have read about. Uh, And this will be launched in September. So um, basically, this is where uh, the innovation uh, truly comes in. This is a connected device that uses technology to make the cocktail experience at home more easy and more enjoyable. Uh, It will work with special spirit cartridges. So we're replacing the classic glass bottles 
uh, by cartridges uh, of spirits uh, that kind of look like books. This is why the name of library was around for, uh, for so long. And these uh, cartridges are inserted in one of the four slots of the device. Uh, each cartridge has a special RFID uh, chip that makes it connected to the whole ecosystem. So uh, it allows users to know exactly how much spirits they have left, what cocktails they can make with what they have left, um, and it will also uh, help them uh, make the cocktail. Now, the device is not there to make the cocktail for you. It still allows users to rightfully claim that they are the ones making the cocktail, but it will guide them and help them uh, by providing the right doses of the spirits in the correct order and by guiding them uh, step by step. So I've seen a picture of this now. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, it does look like books with little taps coming out of them, sort of, right? Exactly. And that's what the finished product will look like, the pictures that I've seen. Um, it's kind of these white. We're still working on it. Okay. So the last pictures that you might have seen are not the final product that will come out, but the idea but is the, the same. Is. Okay. And um, once it comes out, is it so, it's something, obviously, this is geared towards the home market. This isn't, I've seen a lot Exclusively. of kind of cocktail making, I don't know, cocktail assistance that I've seen at um, uh, Viva Tech and places like this. And they're actually very expensive and big and bulky. And they, to me, don't feel like something that would be very practical to have in a home bar. But it sounds like this is something that's going to be uh, at a price point that I'm, I'm hoping that's accessible to people. It is accessible. And, uh, we will communicate on it very soon. But okay. this was also one of the key challenges to not fall into that trap, if you will, of, of making uh, a beautiful machine, but that costs thousands of, or hundreds and hundreds and hundreds yeah. of euros uh, that people don't buy because it's just too expensive. So our first key was to make cocktailing at home accessible and affordable to people. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy with the results that we have now and that we will be releasing in, uh, in September. Uh, the device itself is actually pretty cool. It's, it, it looks very good. Uh, we've worked with a design agency here in, uh, in Paris. Uh, so we're actually trying to give your home bar a complete makeover. Uh, we're using beautiful materials. We have very pure lines uh, and a look that's pretty striking, too. So this was also part of the project to kind of, uh, of reshape the way your home bar looks. I think that's also a direction that things are taking. Um, there, uh, you know, there have been different um, brands that have been working on kind of creating ranges of spirits um, that, that have this sort of cohesive bottling look um, like the Distillerie Générale, which you might be familiar mm -hmm. with. And when they launched, I thought that that was a really interesting concept in and of itself for various reasons. But I also, for that same reason, I thought, you know, people aesthetically, I know that it should come down to what's in the bottle, but people, I do think, might be getting to a point where they're looking to simplify their home bars or, you know, they're... they're I, yeah, simplify their home bars and also a, a, an entirely different aesthetic, which again, aesthetics are not, you know, you shouldn't let all your bar purchase decisions be based on that. But, um, but I like that. I like this idea too, that we're not tied to, you know, like right now my bar is just crazy. There's bottles all over. It's just, it's overwhelming. So I like this idea of sort of moving to something, a setup that's a little bit more simple. Making it easier is really what we had in mind. So allowing people through the app also to know exactly what they have left. If they want to reorder, we will have an e-shop as well. Before you prepare your next, uh, you know, night in with your friends, uh, you can make sure that you have all the stocks available to do uh, to do the cocktails that you want to do. So, and on top of that, our cartridges are eco-friendly as well. Oh, they're recyclable. Ask. Yeah, that's great. They're actually replacing glass bottles. So they're lighter. They're more compact than glass bottles as well. Therefore, they have a lighter carbon footprint uh, than glass uh, and uh, they can be recycled. So, 
I'm very well. I have a whole sort of section on my blog that is um, green uh, eco eco bar where I'm featuring brands and bars that are doing things that are just a little bit better for the environment because I think you know drinking spirits is a luxury. So let's not also let's do our best not to destroy the planet while we're doing something you know that's just purely for enjoyment. So I am very happy to hear that. Um, and wrapping it up, I want to ask you if you have, well, I know you do, um, can you share a cocktail with our listeners that they would like to make at home? Sure. Uh, I've mentioned all the food pairing uh, collections that we have on the site. And uh, one of my favorite ones is actually a creation, uh, a recipe called Rock the Casbah uh, that has this kind of Moroccan vibes to it. Uh, vodka based. We use carrot juice, some cinnamon, some cumin, some lemon, uh, and we garnish it with, uh, with chervil. Um, it's fantastic. I urge listeners to join the open community. They can download the app. They can follow us on Instagram. Uh, the handle is at open cocktail singular and on Facebook as well. They'll find the recipe there. Uh, and the perfect food pairing with that one is, uh, eggplant caviar with some grilled, uh, seasoned vegetables. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic, uh, summer drink for the summer that is finally arriving here I in Paris. Know. We'll talk more about that later. I'm really into doing little tiny cocktail parties at my house for like four to six people instead of big parties these days. So I'm on a total, total, um, thing of making cocktails and, and matching little teeny tiny snacks. So your Instagram is a nice inspiration for that. So listeners, I will put links to open to the website, to the, um, to the social media, and anything else that we've talked about today in the show notes. So go do pop over there and give them a follow on Instagram. Um, read all of these interesting articles that they've put in, been putting up. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. So with that, I'm going to say thank you very much for sharing your insights. It was really interesting for me to hear your take on, on drinking here at, in France at home. The pleasure was mine. Thank you for, for having me. And uh, I am also going to say thank you to World Radio Paris for editing and production. Thank you to Emily Dilling of Perry Paysan for show notes and web assistance. And don't forget, she also has a blog and she also has a podcast, which is also put out on World Radio Paris. Thank you to Sun Little for the music we use. Just again, we'll put up links to all of these people and their their sites and their projects in the show notes. So do go give it a look. Um, as always, please do drink responsibly. And finally, one last little request. If you like the show, please go over to iTunes and leave a review. That's what helps people find the show. Apparently, this is what I hear. Um, but it's also just nice for me because it makes me know that people are really listening and they are providing feedback. And I'm not just sort of shouting into a void about drinks. So, so I'd really appreciate it if you did that. And uh, that's about a wrap for today. So until next time, cheers. In the river,